What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 195 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this week I'm joined by John Carwright and Tom Arnold. And how are you guys doing this week? 195? We're slowly getting to 200. Crazy, isn't it? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. It feels like the 100th episode wasn't that long ago. It really does. That must have been... Over two years. this year? Episode 100? No. Oh, no, 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 wait, right, that wouldn't work. I was going to say, it's we only do these once a week and we sometimes miss. <laughs> We're hammering them out twice a week. <laughs> We're re- we really got a lot to talk about. <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy how close we are get, uh, to 200. I remember early on, it was hard to get a lot of people, uh, everybody wanted times. Because uh, we just, you know, it's only me, Andre, Ash, and Tom. So and it's very easy for all of us to get busy. And I'd have to do these podcasts by myself where I just like take 10 topics and just go through them that way to try to get uh, a bit more conversation going. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so. But yeah, how's you guys' weeks been? Anything new, interesting? Yeah, not too bad. It's been incredibly hot these uh, last couple of days, and now it's pouring with rain, and I'm so happy. Because <laughs> I, I just cannot close the window in this room while recording. It, it's just, it gets way too hot. So I'm thankful for this torrential rain right now. It, you, you're really sounding like Ash. <laughs> that is a, that's such an Ash thing to say where he's like, no, bring on the snow, bring on the rain. I love it. <laughs> oh, well, here we've been pretty lucky. It's been pretty uh, cool again so far. Only a couple of days did actually feel kind of hot inside. But I know it's possible. Like last year, I'm sure it was a one-off in terms of, you know, not being too hot of a summer in Vancouver. But the year before that, you know, it it would be some days in the middle of the afternoon, and it's I would just be done. Like I might as well mm-hmm. just not work or do anything. Uh, I might as well set up my air conditioner unit and just sit beside it or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember my old apartment where I uh, there was no AC built into it uh, and yeah. it was uh, I had to use a wall unit but it was the way the window was set up it was so hard to get it tightly in there and yeah. I could get it relatively cooled off but never exactly cool unless the day wasn't that bad but I it was so loud I could not have it on if anytime I had to record anything so <laughs> I would be drenched in sweat after recording something for, like for a review uh-huh. or analysis or whatever and then I was also streaming and I would be just peeling my shirt off because I was so hot <laughs> and that's where I, I played the I think it's where I played my original uh stream of like Paper Mario 64 and Thousand Year Door so Oh, those were rough. <laughs> mm-hmm. It gets way too much. After like 10 minutes recording, I just I need to stop for a sec. It just gets way too hard on your on your throat. So you're just breathing mm-hmm. in all this really dry air. Um, but yeah, apart, apart from the temperature, uh, it's been not too bad this week. I actually played through some, um, well, I replayed some PS4 games after the PlayStation 5 reveal. Oh. And uh, I went back into Resident Evil 7, went back into Spider-Man, and Shadow of the Colossus. Oh. So Shadow of the Colossus because Bluepoint's doing demon cells. Um, I played Resident Evil 7 all the way through, and this is the first time I've done that since around launch. And uh, it's really good. I, I, I remember liking this game, but not like being all in love with it. But after replaying it, uh, there are some low moments, but the actual moments mm-hmm. where you're like, sneaking around the Baker house and hiding from the dad and the mum, 
They're some of the most exhilarating, intense parts of any Resident Evil game. You it have a so chainsaw intense. duel with uh, the, the Baker, <laughs> you know, the dad. Yeah, I, I, yeah exactly. I, I remember streaming that game and having so much fun. It was uh, just carrying me through. I had really great uh, audience for that one, and... I was always amazed at what was coming next, and it, it felt good to actually have some real tension in Resident Evil again. Like actually feel scared uh, through a lot of that, and had some really uh, cool puzzles and uh, I all that. And excuse me, because the cats were being really nice uh, early. We're going to keep this in the podcast, but they decided they wanted to start chewing stuff, so they're going to get sprayed. And you know, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor cats. Yeah. They, uh, I think that the reason I didn't love Resident Evil 7 originally, I think it was the lasting impression, because it doesn't end great. Like, the the majority of the ending, you're going around this ship for a long time, mm-hmm. and it, it, it doesn't hold a candle to the Baker household. And then the final boss, like, they, they throw all this ammo at you, and it goes down so quickly with this weapon that's handed to you. So it, it feels like an anticlimax. But I, bet, yeah. I think I, I just forgot how great the beginning moments are because they really are fantastic. Yeah, it, it really opened strong, and there's enough of a mystery there. Although I w- will be honest, if it wasn't for the sh- uh, stream chat, I would have picked the bad ending because I by that point I was like, screw, screw your girlfriend. She's been doing nothing but trying to kill me this entire time. Uh-huh. Been tricked so many times through this, so I would have picked the uh, other girl, uh, the, the the sane baker, and. Um, <laughs> You know, they was like, no, 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 that's, that's somehow the bad ending, uh, which I've still not the, not played the bad ending of that, uh, so I don't know uh, exactly how that goes. I haven't even played any of the DLC for it. Uh, so if you pick the if you pick the good one, like, as in the um, what's her name again? Um, I've, I've forgotten her name so too. Long. But if you pick the the Baker, oh Zoe, yeah, Zoe. If you pick Zoe Baker, then there is a very anticlimactic thing that happens immediately after. Uh, go ahead so, and tell me if I don't mind, unless other people care, I guess. I'd say watch on YouTube, because okay. basically you choose her, and then something happens. <laughs> okay, so it's it's an immediate bad thing, or like I'd say obvious, so, yeah. obvious that you picked the wrong choice? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's uh, crazy. I was say, with Resident Evil 7, I remember playing the first couple hours in VR at Andres. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I know there's going to be an enemy up there, and it's just like, <sighs> just <laughs> moving up ahead and of course like the jump scare or whatever it, it was pretty terrifying in vr and I, I multiple times i tried to go back through the chair i was sitting on so <laughs> <laughs> i i i hear it's it's definitely a terrifying game in vr it makes me want to try but i don't have vr and i'm not spending the money for it <laughs> exactly uh I, I'm not sure my heart can take it. <laughs> maybe maybe on a second playthrough it might be fine, actually. But on a first playthrough in VR, that would be absolutely terrifying. Um, one thing this game does really well, though, is it sets up this feeling of tension, and then it always tries to play with your expectations. Like, it always feels like there's going to be something behind a door or behind the next corner, and there very rarely is. There aren't, there aren't that many jump scares in this game, which makes the moments where there are jump scares way more powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 it teases you on with these horror aspects, but doesn't usually play on them. And it, it's it's really effective. Yeah. I also like how each baker has their own section and their own kind of gameplay where it's definitely more stealth with the, the dad uh, and just crazy over the top battles against him. Against the mom, mm-hmm. it's, it's it has this more organic look to it. And it's still kind of scary, but you have more dodging bugs than anything else. And then you're going straight up Saul when you deal with the sun. Yeah. 
Yeah, that part I don't think was quite as good as the rest. It's it's still good, but it I think there's there's a DLC I haven't played actually that plays more um on that Baker. So mm-hmm. I think that probably gets a bit more a bit more in depth. But uh, I found that that was quite a short portion, and it didn't really have. He never really encountered him. He was just always behind the scenes. Right, right. I don't. Yeah, I have to replay it. Uh, it is one of those things where I think it'd be a lot of fun to play through all the Resident Evil games and see what I missed and get the complete story, especially with you know lead, the lead up to eight. But who knows when yeah. eight's coming out? I it's guess probably in, soon. Like, it's always at the start of the year that Resident Evils come out. Yeah, I guess so. Jeez. You need to play yeah. some. Have you played Ratchet and Clank before? Either of you? Yeah, uh, I've played. I played the the first three on PlayStation Two, uh, Tools of Destruction, and uh, a Crack in Time, and then the PS4 remake. Nice. I, I'd say. I, uh, play, oh, go ahead, Tom. Oops. I was no. just gonna say I, I played one a long time ago, one of them, but uh, it's it's been like a couple generations. It feels like at this point. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd say Crack in Time is probably the best of the series. That's my favorite, yeah. Mm, keep it's that in mind. Really good. Uh, uh, pays off really well. I was let down by the PS4 remake. Like, it's it's fine, but it, it's nothing compared to A Kraken Time. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was a hard game to follow. Yeah, and I enjoyed it because I, I know how archaic the original Ratchet & Clank feels because there's no weapon evolution. There's no strafing. Uh, it is mm-hmm. definitely rough around the edges. So I appreciate it from that aspect, but... When you look at it as a sequel to the others, it's, it does it doesn't do quite as much. Uh huh. Um, plus, it was but what about you guys? What have you been doing? Uh, uh well, well, go ahead, Tommy. You go first. Okay. Uh, well, last weekend I had some time to play some of the demos from the Steam sort of indie game festival, or I guess it's just a regular game festival, but mostly indie games were featured, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I would say one of the standout ones from that was Disc Room from what I played, and that's by JW, the other half of Vlambeer. Uh, he made also Minute with some other people. Hmm. And um, it's sort of a pacifist game where a bunch of discs are going around in a top-down 2D room, like a saw blade, oh, and wow. you have to avoid them. And more and more come in, and it's like, you sort of think, well, it's just a bunch of saw blades going around the room. How complex could this get and then you get to saw blades with like four mini saw blades hovering <laughs> around them and they burst out and you have to dodge them or uh time will only continue in one room when you're in a certain spot in the center otherwise it stops and they have so many different ideas and only about 12 different rooms and it's like oh well this is this is how it will work uh, <laughs> they, yeah. they have no shortage of ideas it's really impressive um I think it's like a fun arcadey game to try when it comes out. Sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have mostly been playing Paper Mario. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a, either Actually Paper Mario <laughs> or SpongeBob or, uh, or Pokemon the, the week before. A uh, lot, of, lot of that, keeping on top of that. And uh, it, it, it's been... It's been fun. <laughs> it's been definitely tiring going through. Like you would think, oh wow, a month to beat Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. That's plenty of time. Not nah, when you put it on top of everything else that you're doing, and especially when you have those time limits. It's like, oh gosh, um, it, it it definitely gets a little tricky. But uh, I, I'm hoping soon I'll get to try Last of Us Part Two. Maybe I don't know. It seems like a far off thing. Um, 
but uh, yeah, in other, I guess, uh, more much more major news, I've been <laughs> keeping a secret for a while, <laughs> uh, and that is that uh, John is not going to be the only uh, father this year. Uh, Amy and I are going to be having a baby, so that's crazy. <laughs> baby explain. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> side channel. <laughs> yes, yeah, side channel. Oh goodness! But yeah, that's uh, but, that was yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm really happy for you too. Like mm. it's, and also I think we have pretty much the exact same due date as well. So it's gonna be an insane. End I of think year. so. Like when 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 you guys do, it's uh, November 10th. Yes, and that's when we're due as well. November 10th, like <laughs> the it, same day. It's tracking. Uh, uh, Amy just went in for a second uh, check. Her second checkup. Um, so you know we got more updated news, and it's all looking good. I think its heart rate was uh, 148, uh, so mm-hmm. uh, it seems like it's good. Uh, it seems to be pretty healthy, which is definitely good because we were worried there for a moment. Because when I came down for uh, to help her out, we're pretty sure Amy had kind of a light version of COVID. Yeah, uh, and dealing <clears> with that, and she was, you know, she couldn't really move or anything like that, and I had to really take care of her because she was just dehydrated because we're, you know, two-floor house and she couldn't get out of bed and couldn't go down the stairs to get herself water or anything like that. So uh, definitely was taking care of her and trying to just keep things going while also working. <laughs> so that was interesting. Yeah. Another explanation of why I couldn't really play games that much uh, during all this. Um, Hard time. Yeah. yeah, but she's she's better now. She still gets winded, which we're not sure if it's the pregnancy or just lingering COVID effects. And we're not even 100% sure it was COVID. Um, but the symptoms kind of kind of match up. Either way, it's uh, fortunately all safe. And sh- But the baby is also tracking four days uh, advanced to where it should be. So uh, it might come – it might be actually due around like November 6th. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so. I don't know if I'm happier for you guys or that I don't have to worry about accidentally blurting it out on some podcast or something sometime <laughs> in a moment of forgetfulness. <laughs> yeah, happy as out there. <laughs> yeah, because I told you guys a long, uh, pretty much when it, when I found out. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been hard not to say something at times. I'm pretty sure there's been moments on this podcast where it was. There was, a, there was there were a few moments where it was very obvious to say something about your baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We'd be talking about mine or something, and then there'd be a little silence because it has something to do with you, and we're like, well, moving on. Yeah, yeah that'd be it. Like, John talking about it, and it's like, don't say anything, Tom. Don't, don't, uh-huh. don't mention Derek. Don't bring Derek into this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. speaking of COVID as well, though, that has made just uh, getting into appointments tough. Because mm-hmm. I know for you, you weren't actually allowed to to hear the heartbeats or anything like that. No, right? I was not allowed to go in uh, at all. Uh, Amy FaceTimed me both times so I could see at least the ultrasound uh, and try mm-hmm. to make out as best as I could, but I couldn't hear the heartbeat or anything like that. I've, you know, I felt a kick um, a few times, so yeah, that's all. We're, we're the same. So we've had three appointments now. We had uh, two with the NHS and then one private one. Mm-hmm. And the NHS ones, uh, they do not allow the fathers in, so it's just the mothers. So we had to pay to get a um, a private appointment, and they they let me in, but there were a huge amount of people there. I think way more than usual because the fathers want to see the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's incredibly tough for the father to come in and see the scan, hear the heartbeat, and just figure out what's going on. Um, so it's kind of on the mother to relay the information after that. But it's it's just it's a hard time at the moment mm-hmm. to be pregnant. Yeah, we we 
both of us probably could have had better timing with this. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I love how we're also both like, this is not a COVID baby. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah, they'll be born just out of the crisis, hopefully. Hopefully we'll all be over by then. One could only hope, but it's not not looking so good (laughs) for the U.S. Uh huh. No, we're 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 not smart at all. <laughs> well, I I just wonder here, like in Vancouver and BC, there's like very few cases, but then also it makes people a bit nonchalant. It's like I'm mm-hmm. there's not that many people wearing masks when I was grocery shopping the other day, and you don't know if COVID is there for two weeks. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's not not the best, but at least. We're not going to be a hub city for the NHL, so we won't have like a million hockey players from Florida coming in, spinning it around. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I've, I've definitely you definitely start side side eyeing the people who are not wearing masks. It's like, mm. and again, it's really it gets aggravating because you know the ma- you, the mask you wear protects everybody else, but if nobody else is wearing it, it's like, well, thanks, <laughs> jerks. Uh, indeed. So. Oh well, but um, yeah. Otherwise, been uh, in pretty good shape. Just uh, you know, managing a, what I can and getting it all uh, taken care of, and taking care of cats as they keep messing with my wires. They were completely that, fine before a, this podcast. I was like, going to say it, it sounded like you're dealing with cats and trying to deal with the situation um, just in the corner. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. wasn't coming through. I'm moving around and whatnot. <laughs> the uh, streams keep saying like they're the sabotage cats. That's basically what they are. Because for some <laughs> reason, when I'm over at my desk, they love being around here. And sometimes they could be angels where they're just sleeping, laying on my mouse pad, not messing with anything. And then other times they're like, no, we're going to eat all your wires and just mess <laughs> with things. So... <sighs> cats <laughs> but uh yeah i'm trying to think what else is coming up but really nothing <laughs> there's not a whole lot as far as life is concerned just you know having a baby <laughs> yep i mean that's that's bigger than games <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little bit um it would be nice to have a month where there are no releases that are just giantly dislike bombed. <laughs> we have, mm-hmm. We've had The Last of Us, Pokemon Unite, SpongeBob. Um, it's it's not been great luck, and SpongeBob's that that's more um just to do with us being su- uh, ob- ob- subjective about something. But mm-hmm. The Last of Us and Pokemon Unite, they they have no chance. <laughs> you can say anything about them, people aren't going to like them being covered. No, no. I mean, Unite is fine. You know, it's it's not my thing, but it doesn't bother me. SpongeBob, I, I get. This is a childhood favorite for a lot of people, and apparently, a lot of the complaints I had about the game were, were in the original as well. I didn't know. That's why I kept saying, "It's like I have no idea how this me- measures in the quality of the original." So I'm just keeping it to this. Uh, you know, this is not me saying that your childhood was crap. <laughs> this is a bad game or anything like that, or the original game was bad, but. There, there are definitely issues, and uh, I just the more I played, the less I liked it. Like I started out pretty positive. I was like, you know what? I think I'm probably going to give this a like. This is pretty solid. And then I got further. It's like, oh, this is this design is getting pretty meh. And then I get further. Uh-huh. It's like all oh, these these issues are just compounding on themselves. And nope, I'm done. <laughs> I just do not like it. I think there's there's a lot of games like that because I, I I like Sonic Adventure a lot. Some people can't stand that game though. So it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with 
Um, maybe your patience for the mechanics because you grew up with them. Maybe you can just sort of overlook things a bit easier. But I, I genuinely still have a great time with that game. And I know some people just can't even bear to touch it, though. Do you like all the other characters, or do you just replay sort no. of Sonic <laughs> levels? So I, I mostly replay as Sonic. I think Sonic, Tails, Knuckles to an extent, yeah. and kind of Gamma, they're fun. Amy yeah. and Big, nah. That kind of sounds like my experience. Like I played through the game, but then I kept replaying like Sonic and Tails, and maybe Knuckles. And mm-hmm. so the... Then I have the memories of those characters. <laughs> yeah. And a little bit of Big the Cat, always just because he exists, but not He's memorable for I... the wrong reasons. Yeah, it's hard to forget him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I played Sonic Adventure and it definitely has its issues, but I, I don't know. I felt like I had a worse time with SpongeBob. And, you know, uh-huh. the outside of the really big platformers, the PlayStation 2 era is not a great era for platformers. Not really. I'm trying to think what the... I mean, there, there are a lot of Sony mascot ones, like Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank, but just traditional platformers? I can't think of that many. Yeah. I, I know... I've heard people no. enjoy, like, Tie the Tasmanian Tiger, but, again, never played oh, yeah. that one. But it's just... It's kind of when the platformer genre is kind of starting to die out. Yeah. Which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Klonoa 2 was great, but there, there weren't many games like that at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, 2D side-scrollers basically died apart from on handhelds. And then the Game Boy Advance didn't, didn't even have its own traditional 2D Mario game. No. <laughs> and the 3D Mario game was Sunshine, which was okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, very odd time, but yeah. I mean, I, I have this thing where if people get enough... Um, channel points on the twitch streams they can request me to play any game i have a feeling the original spongebob is coming my way at some point <laughs> no doubt <laughs> so oh well we'll see how it plays yeah but for- it, it looks better at least the, the floatiness of the remake just didn't look that great so it may, maybe the tight uh, a more tight version of that could be fun mm-hmm. i hope so because there is some platform it was driving me bonkers but uh, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to our news topics for the week. And uh, honestly, kind of a busy week for news. Uh, but the biggest, the greatest <laughs> uh, announcement we got, the only really amazing thing that we got out of that New Game Plus Expo that uh, was everybody hyped up because, you know, Atlas and Sega and all this things are there. And Atlas only showed Catherine full body for the Switch. And then they had this thing after the show where they were doing like demos and they were talking to the developers. None of the developers came out for uh, Catherine. Nobody commentated over it. It was just a 30 minute block of Catherine gameplay. Oh God! Yeah, I didn't even watch it. I mean, I I watched the um, I watched the trailer for the game we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, uh, this this event just went straight by for me. Yeah, there was really nothing to it, uh, except uh, the announcement of Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon two. And just the other, just yesterday, uh, we actually got a release date, July tenth. Soon. Wow. Yeah. That is nuts that it comes out that quickly uh, and that we can play it that soon. And it seems stacked with content because not only are there three new characters, but the uh, all the return all the characters from before are in it as well. Plus, there's a local co-op mode, which is certainly interesting. Like this seems like a pretty fun uh, addition to uh, the Curse of the Moon. And the original Curse of the Moon was fantastic. Uh, so mm. my Castlemania is no longer done. <laughs> Got to go do it again. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of needing a break from game releases, <laughs> <laughs> huh. 
So what? Uh, so was, was this an Inti Creates game? Yes. Did they do the first? Oh, okay. Yeah. They they do great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm excited to try this. I played the first one. I didn't actually finish it, so I should probably go back and finish it before I try this. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's so cool to have not only the, uh, the big bloodsta- bloodstained Kickstarter game, but then have this little side thing on the side. Um, on the side, mm-hmm. and it was dis- legitimately a really good game. I, I think much better than people expected it to be. Um, and just, just to pump out a sequel this fast and release it so so soon, and I, I never thought anything like that would happen. No, yeah. not at all. I, when I first saw the te- the headlines, I thought. Well, they're making a new Bloodstained, as in, you know, the 3D-based one. I'm like, I guess that makes sense. It sold over a million units recently. It's like, oh, wait, no, this is the 2D one, like the pixel art one. I'm I'm more excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still cranking out updates for Ritual of the Night, so I, I think it'll be a while till we get a full-fledged sequel. They're just trying to get that game all the – basically, they're in the uh, same sort of uh, loop that um, – Shovel Knight was in for a while where they're just trying to meet all the uh, extra rewards and backers and, you know, those uh, yeah. stretch goals uh, with all the extra modes, which, you know, are cool, but I'm, you know, I don't, it, it's not going to bring me back to play the game. It's like, it's neat, but, but Curse of the Moon 2 is more exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a great yeah. throwback to classic Castlevania and fun new uh, lineup of characters. We got a uh, Dominique who was in Ritual of the Night who plays like Eric Lacard from Bloodlines which is cool, uh, you know, very different. We haven't really seen that gameplay come back in a Castlevania game in a long time. Then something completely new with uh, I forget the character's name but he basically uses a gun. Uh, uh, makes that very different. And then the best new character of all, Hachi who is a uh, corgi in a <laughs> uh, steampunk mech suit. <laughs> I can bash through this spikes the, and whatnot. I heard about this so much on Twitter. Anything about this game had to do with that corgi. Everyone was talking about this dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best idea. Why not? <laughs> uh, now, I'm I'm thinking for co-op, it'd be amazing if one player had the whip and they had to then latch onto other platforms and the other person like grabbed the whip like a rope and kind of... Br- hand over hand and brought themselves to the other areas <laughs> <laughs> maybe too much for a 2d game but like 2d sprite game but that'd yeah be amazing mm-hmm. uh if i if based on the original game it's probably going to be rather short probably easily beaten within two to three hours but lots of replay value because there are so many different things you can do different paths you can take and uh, uh different endings you could get so uh it should be a lot of fun and only 15 dollars, i think they said so Wow. Yeah, not bad at all. But Indie Creates has been extremely busy because they also announced Azure Striker Gun Vault 3, uh, which I have not played any of the Gun Vault games beyond the first one. I missed two and I didn't do the spinoff game, uh, but I know Ash is all about this. So is Inafune involved with this? Yes. Because I saw a screenshot recently with him promoting this game. And like, what is that? Is is, uh, Red Ash, is that still a thing? I guess not. I I have no idea. Uh, I know it was back, you know, supported by a Chinese company, so right. maybe it'll come. But you know, that's the whole thing with concept is they just come up with the ideas and sell them off. So yeah, I guess that's what it is. But yeah, having Inafune back here to collaborate with the series director is interesting. I mean, he was there for the previous two, so it's not unheard of, but. 
it is kind of weird that you hear Inafune's direct, uh, part of it, and you're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, he's lost so much credibility lately. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it, hearing, hearing, he's, hearing he's involved in a project gives me less confidence in that project. Yeah. 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 You'd almost want him to work on it, and then if the game's good, he might he can gain some credibility back, but sort of have him there it's like, oh, just his name's in the credits or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like not a, a selling point, but I don't know, you gotta give a guy a chance to like try to get back. You can't just keep sure. him down forever. Um mm-hmm. People make mistakes, or a lot of mistakes, but <laughs> you know, you just want success for the person in the end. So, yeah, yeah. He's not. You know. He hasn't done anything bad, as far as we know. Yeah. It's just mismanagement is most of the issue. Uh, and honestly, I'm really surprised. Like, I Gunvolt always seemed to me like a very niche game, but apparently, it's doing well enough that it's uh, you know they got three out of you know, well, four games out of it. So, color me impressed. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, uh, not too much else to say there. I, I haven't even actually watched the trailer yet, uh, just because I'm not sure. It looks like another new playable character, which is a nice way to change things up. But uh, next bit of news we got here is our first trailer for the Cup t- Cuphead cartoon uh, was shown. And i got to say, it's looking pretty nice. Yeah. It looks quite similar in style to the Mickey Mouse shorts that Disney do. Mm-hmm. Um and they, they showed a little teaser which has the energy of the voice actors showing you what they're going to sound like as Cuphead and Mugman. Um, we only get a little snippet, but it's really expressive. I, I can't wait to see more of this. Mm-hmm. The, the point that they, they made, the fact that they um, mentioned you know, the old Fleischer cartoons is like, that's, you know, if you're, they're taking inspiration from that, they're in, we're, we're in good hands. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, we got the uh, King Dice and the devil is there as, as our antagonist and they're all emotive and it's not you know of course it's not the same exact style as the game but it's close enough and it's like you know i'm down for this this is looking pretty awesome yeah i wasn't really sure how they'd convert it to um to a show because the actual gameplay isn't story heavy I, i'm not really playing for the characters i, I guess you kind of are in a sense because the, the, you're, you're playing for the expressiveness of their animations but seeing it on screen um it just it clicks it makes sense mm-hmm Absolutely. Yeah. And it could be a wider audience. I mean, I'm sure despite how much Cuphead sells, it's a pretty tough game, so that probably puts off some people. <laughs> I feel bad for those kids to like watch the show and be like, Oh, this is fun. Oh, there's a game. Let me play the game. Oh god. <laughs> I mean that's pretty much the NES days, like people watching yeah. um TMNT and then they play the game and <laughs> <laughs> good point. Man, talk about I a throwback. never did beat the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I think I got to the rooftops and I was done yeah I got to the Technodrome boss wow Uh, so that was it for me (laughs) that game's so hard (laughs) that can be the next game club I was actually thinking the same thing somebody suggest that for no no one will beat it (laughs) 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 gotta do an emulator so we can actually do save states yeah, maybe that could be it because that's the biggest thing. You get so worn down by the time you get to the level. Like the, mm-hmm. I think the Technodrome is the second last level. You're so beat up by that point. Yeah, that it's hard to actually be uh, in a good state to play it. So you'd be more practice on those later stages, and it could help. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I I did. Uh, you guys weren't there for this, but when we were doing a uh, 
you know, our private streams to the ten dollars, uh, the five dollars and up backers that can watch Game Club early. Uh, we talked about maybe themed months of uh, our suggestions. So rather than just whatever we want, we can have like a month where we suggest all PlayStation games or all mm. uh, you know licensed games. Or uh, I think we even put it forth like bad game month. <laughs> That's a good idea. So. Someone, um, someone in the replies basically said that Nintendo games are going to win every time. Yeah, and I don't know if they're wrong. I think that uh, there, there is a higher chance that Nintendo games are going to be voted for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, I, I I created a new rule to kind of get around that for this uh, upcoming vote or the vote going mm-hmm. on right now is that if there's a tie between Earthbound and Kid Icarus, the game that gets chosen is the third game. <laughs> Ooh, I, l- I like that one. Uh, that's nice. <laughs> Which is also conveniently Yakuza 0 right now. <laughs> oh, well, it just happens to be. <laughs> is, the, is Yakuza in third place? I didn't realize that. It's uh, been so back and forth between Kid Icarus and Earthbound. And uh-huh. I don't know which one we're going we're to end up playing. <laughs> so I don't mind any of these games. No. Any, of, any of them is a winner. Yeah, I think we're in good shape no matter what. Uh, it would have been cool to play th- through Yakuza Zero, but I know that's a long one as well. <laughs> yeah, that would be probably two months. It's either two months or well, it's it, Yakuza series. I think you can probably beat it in about thirty hours based up other oh, okay. ones. So a little bit, just all the extra yeah. stuff that you can do. Exactly. If you mm-hmm. want to do the extra stuff, that that brings up the time. <laughs> uh, well. Uh, Cuphead isn't the only uh, game getting a cartoon ad- adaptation. Square Enix announced that the world's end. W- the world ends with you is getting an anime adaptation. We have no release date. We have no key art. We have nothing like that. Just that it's getting an adaptation, and I, that, that's really exciting. I mean, I, I think it would work well for an anime. Uh, the episode structure is kind of built into the game, uh, and I think would really do well especially if they keep the style of the game um it could be mm-hmm. a lot of fun but I, I would like to see some you know animation some production <laughs> yeah yeah do you think they'll go beyond the game or just retell the events of the game <sighs> that's such a hard choice like this this could be a lead up into a second game but i know I think it was Rampa that has this weird thing where they have one, two, and they then they have this thing called V3, which you think is the third game in the series, but no. The actual th- third bit of story and, I guess, conclusion to it is actually just anime. It's just an anime that covers huh. it. It's so weird. And V3 is kind of like a, a, new, a completely new story or something like that. I, I don't know the Rampa series that well, but it, it's a very odd thing like that. So it would be kind of funny if world ends with you is like gets a sequel anime and no we get no game but hey more more chance with these characters mm-hmm. so. well it feels like they wanted to do something with this franchise for a while i mean we had they teased like more content for years and that came i, I th- that did come in the switch eventually right mm-hmm. they had like a, a new chapter at the end yeah we had a little bit of new stuff which kind of felt like more of a tease at a sequel but mm-hmm. nothing beyond that and yeah, the Switch so version. It feels like they want to do more with this, mm-hmm. but they just, they're just, for some reason, um, the anime being a retelling kind of dampens that somewhat because like they've been trying to like lead up to the sequel for so long, and it's still not coming. Maybe, maybe sometime it will. I hope so. I mean, I really like the game, but that said, the Switch version isn't the best way to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to really do it in handheld mode because you can make it work in 
one with just like you know the button controls, but it's it's just not as accurate for some of those uh, badges or those uh, uh-huh. pins that you use. So we'll see. But uh, well, next bit of news we have here is Tales of Arise. Remember this game? <laughs> Uh, it has been delayed out of 2020, and there's actually no release date for now. Uh, essentially, um, COVID has knocked it out, and uh, they're just mm-hmm. trying to uh, really they they really are going ambitious with this one. So they want to be able to have this quality that they want there, and uh, yeah, been delayed for now. Uh, it was it's. I'd be very curious to see if it actually gets uh, moved over to like PS5 and X and uh, Series X. That would be interesting. Uh, I, I'm only really a casual Tales fan. I've played a handful of them, mm-hmm. and I enjoy them. But this isn't like a premier RPG series for me. However, Arise looks so ambitious, and I feel like this could be the one that sort of brings the like more of a luxury to this brand. Yes, and you can just already see just by like taking a look at a screenshot. It's it still has that anime flavor, but it's a different anime flavor. It has a less mm-hmm. soft look to it, and I think that could yeah. go very far. So yeah, <clears throat> so my my experience is I played Symphonia, I played Vesperia, and uh, Ex- Exilia was the other one. I, um, is that how you pronounce it? I always could just call it Exilia. It might be Zelia. I, I, I remember. <laughs> I, I remember um, during a. Uh, I was watching a review and someone called it Exelia, and I wasn't sure what was what, but yeah, it probably is Zelia. Um, but yeah, I played those three, and I, I like them all, but not enough for them. Well, I mean, apart from maybe Symphonia, not enough for them to really be like one of my top ten RPGs. Like they're, they're just kind of fun. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. enjoyable. When I, I've only played fully uh, Symphonia, which playing through it, it there's a lot of. Final Fantasy X in that, at least story-wise. Mm-hmm. So, I, I was thinking that, but it still has enough personality on its own to enjoy. And then I played a little bit of Dawn of the New World, and that was not good. <laughs> the direct oh, sequel. Oh, the sequel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. Sorry, just checking on the cats again, because they were been uh, having a little bit of, nib- of a nibble. <laughs> they are really going after the cords this time, so I'm just going to try to put them down for now. Bad choice okay. of words. <laughs> Get him oh, off God. the desk. <laughs> well, I guess while Derek's dealing with the cats, um, should I just transition to the next piece of news? Yeah, Crash, Crash so. Bandicoot 4, I think, is what we got next. Yeah, so Crash Bandicoot 4 was announced during the Summer Games Fest stream by Jeff Keighley. And, uh, wow, like this, uh, it looks like a re- not only a return to form, but something that's building upon um, the first three games. And I, I love the little part in the trailer where they're like, how many times have you been Neocortex again? Three. Only three? Huh. Feels like more. <laughs> it's <a good laughs> just joke. such a... It's a great joke. I know some people are legitimately upset that Wrath of Cortex and Twin Sanity and other games they grew up with have kind of been taken out of the canon, but I think it's for the greater good. It's mm-hmm. good just to revert back to the, the, the simpler initial trilogy. Yeah, I think so too. I know people like Twin Sanity. Actually, we're hoping for a remake of Twin Sanity because it was a very unfinished game. There was a lot of potential there, but it ended up... Uh, being rushed and there's so much mm. cut content and ideas and incomplete sections where if you play it you can see where it, the, the parts where it shines through but it does feel unfinished uh which is which is a shame it would be nice to see that happen but i think they're going with a multi-dimensional aspect so they might be like uh 
we might be dealing with split timelines for Crash now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also saw a um, a rumor. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if this is true, but there was a rumor that had a, I think it was a GameSpot sort of um, a uh, promotional art that said there's over 100 levels in this game, Holy which crap, is ambitious really? because the the original games had like 20 to 30 levels. Yeah. Wow. What the I heck? Modern tools. It might be yeah. possible. I mean, they go, I guess if they go shorter on the levels, but that seems that almost seems like too much. I hear that, and I'm like, I don't really get excited. If I heard like sixty, I'd be like, oh, cool. But a hundred? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they'll be matching the the um, the ambition of the entirety of the Unsane trilogy because that would be all the levels in that I guess game. So, but it's it sounds it does sound like too much, huh? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure on that one. I, I also really interesting that Vicarious Visions were the one who did uh, ones who did Insane Trilogy, while Toys for Bob did Spyro Trilogy. Yet Vicarious Visions is doing the Tony Hawk remakes, while Toys for Bob is doing Crash. All of a sudden, so yeah, okay, sure. Activision. And Crash Crash predated Spyro by was it a year or two years? Uh, t- I think a year, maybe two years. I, I'm not sure how much of it. I know it maybe feels longer to me because Spyro fans were begging for a, a, uh, a same treatment ever since Insane was at, out and uh-huh. everybody enjoyed it. So, yeah. hard to say, but it's definitely something a lot of people want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this people are, you're talking about them wanting a, you know, a different one. This is kind of the optimal scenario for an announcement isn't it like a brand new crash bandicoot 4 like would it be better if it was a 3d open world one i don't know like this has almost galaxy like mechanics so it seems like a a win for anyone that was a crash fan yeah especially Mm -hmm. because twin sanity did go to the more open gameplay and you know it did it well but it's uh, not exactly the same, and you know, it's that original gameplay that people gravitate more toward. And I've never played Wrath of Cortex or Twin Sanity, but uh, you know, people obviously have their issues with them, and I think it's good to start fresh. And this does feel like an evolution of Crash Bandicoot and that hallway gameplay. Mm-hmm. They're not just playing on nostalgia either. Like you can see, they've, they've redesigned Crash and Cortex in Coco. It looks like they really are sort of creating their own crash while uh, also delivering what made him good in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's always a bit scary about retro revivals. Like, if you look at Sonic 4, they had the audacity to put a 4 on that game, when really it was a retelling of the first Sonic. Like, it's it the same sort of zone structures, same theming. Uh, it had very little that made it unique, apart from, I guess, the homing attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it even like, left out um, advancements that Sonic 3 had. And it didn't even have Tails in that game. So putting a 4 on there really didn't feel like it, it deserved it. Whereas this does. This feels... I mean, we've got to play it to really find out, but just seeing it, just seeing what it's doing, how it's advancing the series, it, it feels like it deserves that 4. It really does. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful for it. Uh, again, we're continuing this whole trend of announce a game available within three months. Heck yes. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, that's, I need that more. But Derek, I thought you loved rumors and speculation. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not for me. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, our Patreon topics. As always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us over on Patreon. Get these podcasts three days early uh, every Friday. We're a little late on this one just because of uh, – uh, 
me and Amy taking care of baby stuff. So I wasn't around and you guys were busy. So it just didn't happen. Um, and uh, yeah, and ability to ask questions like the ones we have here. So uh, Tom, why don't you start us off? Okay, I have a question from Mark. He says, hi, GX crew. Given the fact that by now, probably the majority of Captain Falcon fans have never played an F-Zero game, what changes <laughs> do you think we could see in a new F-Zero game that would embrace both older and newer fans and implement some of its Smash Bros. flair? Well, uh, that's hard to say because F-Zero is a racing game, mm. and if you wanted to put more characters in there, and there's 40 in F-Zero X, that's mm. going to bump up development time significantly. I mean, maybe you could outsource cutscenes. Um, you know, F-Zero GX did have kind of a rudimentary character interview type system, mm-hmm. but it was pretty stiff. Now, it would be great to see things like many characters jumping into the cars or kind of bickering at each other before a race off and on. Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing I did think of, though, is... If uh, this is going to sound a bit out of left field, but there was an anime Gurren Logan, mm-hmm. and it was always about combining robots to get a bigger robot. But sort of in the middle, at the uh, kind of end of the first part of the series, they're going after like the main old guy, I forget his name, and they destroy his vehicle. But he just before it explodes, he jumps out, and it becomes like a fist fight with the <laughs> no. main character. And that was like such a powerful moment. I would love maybe like if your car explodes, the chance to jump onto another car and try to like mess him up and maybe have him explode too, something like that. Uh, <laughs> Hijacking that, that is mechanic. asking for way too much. <laughs> what, That'd be what are some wild, things those that, speeds. <laughs> yeah, and at over a thousand kilometers an hour. So, but you just just make up the excuse like anti gravity boots or something like that. So. <laughs> Uh, hmm. What would you guys like to see? There's uh, something that the user said in there, that Captain Falcon is more uh, famous nowadays for Smash yeah. than, he, than he is F-Zero. They are totally right. Like mm-hmm. The character Captain Falcon is so much more valuable than the entire F-Zero franchise. And that's that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think one way to capitalize on that, uh, Tom's method is, it sounds insane and I love it, Um <laughs> One thing I would do, though, is just do a Captain Falcon story mode where there's, like, a hub world and you can roam around as Captain Falcon. Yeah. And, uh, like, go into a bar and be a bounty hunter and, like, just slam down some money, get a case, uh, do whatever else, just flesh out Captain Falcon, but still have the core be the driving experience. So, like, the open world would lend lend itself into a race. Or uh, maybe, like, you can even roam around an open world in, like, the Blue Falcon or something like that. Um, but I, I do think Captain Falcon is key to bringing back F Zero. Yeah, honestly, my idea goes towards is basically kind of like yours, John. I, we've said for a while we need like a Captain Falcon beat 'em up, and it'd be a good way of introducing some of the other characters in there, like uh, Jody Summer, Samurai Goro, Blood Falcon, all that stuff, and having those aspects in there. And I really think there should be two development teams on here: one for the beat 'em up aspect, another for the, the racing gameplay and you sort of evenly split between them where you have some story missions where Captain Falcon is out, outside of his uh, his car and other ones where you have missions that involve the car and you can have uh, side quests that involve both where you have to do a little bit and doing um, you know uh, bounties allows you to 
uh, spend money and you can decide whether you want to upgrade your car or upgrade what Captain Falcon can do in gameplay and mm-hmm. sort of balance it out between the two. So no matter which one you're doing, you're uh, sort of expanding yourself between those two. And I think that might be the best method of kind of bringing what original fans like about F-Zero along with what new fans like about F-Zero and uh, kind of yeah. building that yeah. up and at least for the story mode. I think multiplayer should be pure racing unless I guess you could have like two-player beat-em-up sections if you really want. But I feel like have an arcade mode. But for like the main story mode, I think that's what they really should do. And uh, th- there's ways to make it happen, but I'm not sure if the amount of effort required for that is worth it to Nintendo. Yeah, mm-hmm. John's idea is more doable. While the beat em up idea would be cool, it might end up um, kind of like a watered-down experience. But it would be awesome to have like a mission where you're chasing down a guy, you finally wear down his car to the point where it basically explodes, they're left on the ground, and it's like, all right, let's settle this now, or maybe even has some more... Uh, thugs get to beat up through to get to him finally. Something like that. That'd mm-hmm. be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, <clears throat> there, there's ways you can make this ridiculous and awesome. Yeah. Whether Nintendo does it, eh, hard to say. Well, yeah, we'll we, see. There's a reason why he's in thumbnails. It's because he doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> or F-Zero hey, doesn't exist. He, he's, he's running a ramen shop now. Yeah. <laughs> which that outfit Falcon's. is actually pretty great it is <laughs> his noodle adventure mm-hmm. <laughs> oh goodness well uh john would you like to go next or should i i guess i can do mine so mine comes from ved hotek and it says hi game explain thinking about remakes and remasters and the like especially after blue point seemingly to do a phenomenal job with demon souls what games do you believe warrant remake in today's day and age um, besides what we already have how do you believe that games receive remakes are chosen to come to fruition enough fan demand or what love the podcast keep up the great work um i'm a longtime fan so this is a good question because i think demon souls isn't an old game it's like it's 10 years old it's from the playstation 3 um and when i think like remaking games like resident evil 5 or or like the i was gonna say the first gears of war but that was remastered (laughs) Um, but um i think it it, a lot of those games are still very modern but they still play like games we have today so deciding to remake those is something that is very situational i think um demon souls was basically the first of its kind There, there weren't many games that played like that some can argue kingsfield uh i think demon souls is very different to kingsfield and uh, the the Soul series has um, evolved so much. There's been Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls Two, Dark Souls Three, Bloodborne, uh, and ev- with every game there have been small quality of life improvements to the point where the original Demon Souls just feels a little dated. It's still good, but it it feels different to what Dark Souls evolved into. Uh, so I think the reason Demon Souls was chosen was just because it wasn't just to update the graphics. It was primarily, I think, the gameplay. And while there is a giant graphical overhaul, I'm not sure that matters as much. Uh, and I don't think it matters for a lot of PlayStation 3-era games. Um, like they, of course, they look better, but that's not really. I don't think that's really the drive behind them. Um, so in my opinion, I think whether a franchise has moved on should be the, dis- the, the main factor of whether it's remade. Or the legacy. Mm-hmm. Like Shadow of the Colossus was also remade by Bluepoint, and they didn't change much about the gameplay at all. Um, but I think that was just such a, a high-legacy PlayStation franchise that it made sense. 
I would say with Shadow of the Colossus, its biggest drawback was probably the frame rate at times. Uh, sure, yeah. So that's probably the motivating driving factor there. Well, its gameplay, you know, probably still works. But uh, something that it's different when you do the g- graphics and the gameplay. So that's more where Demon's Souls maybe comes in, but it's tough mm-hmm. to say. Like, when we talk about Sonic Adventure Remake, I'm not thinking the same game with Sonic's modern model. (laughs) I'm thinking overhauling a lot of elements, like making the loops work all the time. Sometimes there's moments in Sonic Adventure, you go under a loop, you'll clip through it. I I don't want that in the remake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, definitely tightening up the gameplay of a lot of those characters and just, you know, making them work. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to. Th- I was trying to think of games along that line, and I guess Ratchet and Clank, when I like I mentioned before, did kind of need a remake because of the again the lack of strafe, the lack of evolving weapons. But it kind of changed beyond even that because it was more of a movie tie-in game than a remake. It kind of it was it was trying to do two things, and uh, because of that, I think it's it suffered a bit. Um, but I'm trying to think of like other games that would uh, kind of work to that degree. And your your explanation is very good, John, because that explains Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3. Um, they're doing all that. You notice people aren't claiming as much for a Resident Evil 1 remake in the style of 2 and 3. And mm. I don't think I, I think it's because it doesn't necessarily need one. Like, yeah, it's still using the uh, old style, but it works. And I, I think that's yeah. interesting. Then, of course, we get to the popularity argument if the whole rumor of Resident Evil 4 being remade is real. So, <laughs> yeah, just. Yeah. I, I think uh, Resident Evil 4 speaks to what I was saying about whether it needs one, about whether the gameplay has evolved. Um, and I don't think it has. I think the gameplay, if anything, if we if you try to evolve it, I think you're going to take away with uh, from what made it special in the first place. I trust they'll make a good game. I just I don't think they can exceed it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's where it would be make more sense to do an overhaul of Code Veronica at this point. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Code Veronica yeah, needs like if, it. <laughs> yeah. If they announced that, if Nintendo announced they were remaking Super Mario Brothers three, like, would we? Would you be excited for that? Because <laughs> I don't. Really? They can make they can remake it, but I'm not sure if it's going to be better than the original. They yeah, I don't only, think so. They could only do worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> essentially. Um, like. Honestly, I think a, a remake that would it's kind of needed. I don't know if it's uh, you know what it would do, but the original Rayman could use a remake in the style of Origins and Legends. Oh yeah, because I really don't like the original Rayman. It's just too hard, hard. for hard <laughs> sake. And but there's some uh, great ideas in there. They could just adapt that uh, to a more slow, maybe a more slower paced uh, Origins or Legends. I, I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, or, you know what? Let's just get a graphical overhaul of Rayman 2. It got ported to everything. Let's just actually give it its full-on uh, remake status. Yeah. Uh, graphical overhauls are an interesting one as well. Because I, I don't think there are that many games that I'd say, yeah, sure, remake them. Give them, a, give them an entirely new art style or graphical look. I think it's mostly that particular PlayStation era, PlayStation 1 era mm-hmm. uh, of yeah. platformer. But I, w- I wouldn't take, um, let's say... I wouldn't say remake Mario Sunshine from scratch. I think you can make it better, um, but I'd rather at that point they make a different game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, let's take for example Jack and Daxter. That has a very distinct art style. Would you want them to like just enhance that art style if they ever did remakes of those? 
like get him to the st- like status of uh, let's say Ratchet and Clank on PS5. Yeah, I mean it, it's tough, isn't it? Because uh, when you're when you're handing the franchise to another developer like Bluepoint, um, they can make it look better, but sometimes the hardware was key to how that game uh, looks in your memories. Uh, for the longest time, Shadow of the Colossus on PlayStation Four to me. Um, missed the mark. I felt like they they lost the Team Eco kind of lighting, that sort of overexposed kind of look that um, that Eco and Shadow the Colossus and Last Guardian have. And I think that's still true, but they still made a very beautiful game, and they did respect um, the look of the original for for the most part. And uh, I I don't know if if you remake Jack and Daxter and make it look modern, can can you replicate the same look? I think it's possible going for that more cartoony look, but I'm not sure how exact it would be and Ratchet I mean not Ratchet but Jack and Daxter are such a weird case because it's the first game is pure platformer and then they go into more gun and GTA style gameplay for yeah. the sequels uh, so I'm not sure what is like people loved I, I love Jack and Daxter but it's also maybe one of the more confused games in the series like you can see how Ratchet and Sly both evolved with their sequels um Jack kind of evolved, but it almost became a completely different game. Is that when Neil Druckerman joined Naughty Dog? No. <laughs> uh, maybe, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, yeah. And we can't expect, uh, definitely can't expect Naughty Dog to go back and remake it themselves. It would definitely be a different company. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd also say for remakes, um, underrated and not very respected games they feel deserving of another chance. Uh, not necessarily because they need it. I think it's just it's not necessarily because they need the remake, just to give like uh, another audience a chance to play it. Like uh, Monkey Ball 1 and 2, people really want to play those again. And the originals are still fine. They're still fine to go back and play. Mm-hmm. But I think people just want to give the series another chance because uh, yeah. Sega moved so far away from what made them good in the first place. Mm-hmm. And really, sometimes, yeah, I guess you could just re-release them, uh, but also just get them onto more modern consoles it's like as we discovered with uh, game club for thousand year door the only way to play thousand year door is on the gamecube and it's not exactly a cheap game so no. <laughs> you know at least port it or something like that there, i think there should be a level of accessibility uh with re-releases and remakes as well they missed the chance on 3DS. It made it made a lot of sense as a 3DS game. Mm-hmm. They ported a bunch of of uh, other platforms onto that console. Luigi's Mansion, for some reason, came to 3DS. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Thousand Year Door would have been great on that on 3DS. That's uh, it would have uh, one example here too that maybe we just forget about because it's so successful is Rocket League. Oh yeah, now, that was basically a remake of. Rocket League with a different name, but just the time wasn't right for it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. if there are more games like that out there, which are very hard to know because they were so unpopular to begin with, uh, it would it is great when they get another chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a game that would really fit that mold, but I'm not entirely sure. Although then I think of like other games getting a remake in the, a la Resident Evil 2 and 3 and I think of like Resident Evil I mean uh, uh, think of Silent Hill getting a remake like that or, uh, or Parasite Dino Eve Crisis. or Dino Crisis it's like ugh yeah. you want it <laughs> you want it to, yeah, Dino no. Crisis does deserve another chance I think I've never played it, it myself uh, but the concept is solid 
It's so good. Resident Evil with dinosaurs. How can you go wrong? Exactly. That's, and that's then they put just, it in space for the third game. <laughs> yeah, that's just a like a multi-million dollar idea right there. My my would, uh, remaster <laughs> remake revival, which is maybe a glimmer of possibility now with the recent skate announcement, mm-hmm. is a new SSX. I love Ooh, the arcade, mm. over-the-top sports genre. I yeah. don't like real sports and games. I just can play those in real life if I want. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would love for that series to come back. I played a ton of it back in the day. It did kind of come back once, but I don't know. I feel like it could still hopefully do well but who knows that's just me being greedy (laughs) i did really enjoy ssx was one of the first playstation 2 games i got because there really wasn't a lot else at the time but i really enjoyed it i played the heck out of that game and tricky but then kind of fell away from the series Mm -hmm. so that'd be cool to come back but this is ea so eh, who knows (laughs) but uh well let's go ahead and move on to my question which comes from javi who says Hey, Game Explain. One of my favorite things about video games are the tones and feelings they can evoke in a player through their presentation and soundtrack. Likewise, one of my favorite things about a game presentation, uh, game game's presentation, are their title screens and how the best ones can encapsulate the pure essence of the game right from the very beginning. My personal favorite title screen is the title to the original Persona 4 on PlayStation 2. The silhouettes of all the main party members, as well as the beautiful piano that plays during the title screen, made me feel so happy and calm when I first saw it, and in a strange way, almost feel me made almost made me feel a sense of nostalgia in a way, even during my very first playthrough. Um, so my question is, what are your guys' uh, absolute favorite title screens, and do you have any found memories or feelings that said title screens can invoke in you? Um, are there any title screens that make you feel cozy and at home, no matter how many times you see it? And uh, yeah, I do have one, and it happens every time, and it's the reason I love this series, one of the big reasons I love this series so much, because you start up the game, and it's there, and I feel so happy. And that's Kingdom Kingdom Hearts. The Kingdom Hearts dearly <laughs> beloved title screens on every single one of the games is just like this settling in feeling like, okay, I know what I'm in for. Let's do this. It just makes me happy each time. Uh, I, I think it is one of the more popular uh, songs within the series. And it only ever plays during the title screen as far as I'm aware. Mm. So. Well, to that point about continuity of a title screen... Do you know one thing that sucked about Resident Evil 7, Derek? What's that? On the title screen, when you press continue, it doesn't go, Resident Evil no, 7. And that is a crime, mm-hmm. because that is that is a cozy voiceover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, it brings every game together, and whenever I boot up Resident Evil 4 and hear that, I know that I'm in for a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is nice. There is something just iconic about that. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of others, but in the meantime, what about you, uh, Tom? For me, uh, back in the day, the Konami ones, uh, mm. just the way they came out together on the NES, they were all kind of similar. Um, and you knew you are like, like playing a game like Contra or something like that, just you knew the feeling of it. Um, also, the early sonic games come to mind like the the huge amount of energy at first oh yeah and then it slows down and then just sonic kind of just looks at you and it's like you should play the game already <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point yeah that's a that's a really good one uh i'd say i'd uh, go to ash and say a lot of the original mega man games i don't think they're yeah, consistent across the board but two definitely three uh has great songs as well 
uh, but they can be very good and very effective in getting you into the mood of Mega Man. I don't think X has the best... Well, maybe the title screen is fine, but the opening crawl takes so long, especially with all the data stuff going through. Sure. Yeah, but what is it? Mega Man 2 definitely with the building up ah. to the uh, <laughs> title screen. Nice. Here's a, here's a safe one. This is a very, a very simple one. Ocarina of Time. Booting mm-hmm. up the game, having that flyover of Hyrule Field, and having that music kick in, yeah. it feels good every time. Uh, especially because I think it takes it takes a little bit to get to Hyrule Field. Like you got to go through the uh, Kokiri Forest. You got to go through the first temple. Um, so to just have that glance of Adult Link in Hyrule Field really just gives you that sense of adventure from the get go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying to think of others that really set the mood. I mean, uh, Metroid to a degree because it's always it's never really music in Metroid. It's always just mm. sounds and setting the mood. And, uh, apart from Super, I guess. Yeah, apart from yeah, Super, yeah. I guess does have it, but Super is also really good. Mm. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of one of them. Uh, I, I don't hang around the title screen as much anymore with a lot of games, uh, and I can't think of any modern games that really caught my interest as as of the title screen. I guess Persona Five. Persona Five is a good one because they oh, just have that style. Derek, Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, how can I forget Xenoblade Chronicles? <laughs> yes, Xenoblade Chronicles and Xenoblade Chronicles Two because of how it changes as you go through the game. Oh yeah. I even, yeah there's I something just so iconic about the Monado just sitting in the field and the day of, the day and night system kicking in as well, especially in the Switch version and seeing this glow around the Monado. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so warming with the music as well. I can't believe I forgot that one. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Sticking back to Mario 64, you can grab Mario's face and change it, but then that's kind of stopping you from playing the game, so now I'm torn looking. <laughs> that's the new game. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot in there. Um, not Final Fantasy VII, I don't think, though. It doesn't have a great title screen, because it usually goes to the prelude, and the prelude is so long in that game. Yeah, I don't think I sat through that for the longest time. I think I, I beat the game without watching that intro to start with. Yeah, I, I tried watching it once, and it was just name after name, and it was so slow. And I was just like, is there going to be a special cutscene? Because I, I wanted to see more, but there was nothing. So I'm like, all right, then. Mm. <laughs> uh, here's a, a good one and a bad one. We are talking about Sonic earlier. Mm. I think Sonic Mania has so much energy mm. in its opening. And then if you sit there, you get the, the gorgeous animated cinematic as well, which is... That's still one of the best representations of Sonic. Um, and on the flip side, Generations has a really boring title yeah. screen. It's, it's classic Sonic and modern Sonic in a white void, which I know with that that is representative of the hub of that game, but it's it's just dull. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Generations is a game that could also kind of use a remake, if only so they could put in more games, more levels. Yeah. yeah. Add in movie Sonic or a sequel, now. I suppose. Yeah. Boom Sonic. Yeah, movie Sonic and Boom Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Or or movie Sonic Revision One and movie Sonic Revision. Oh 2. God! <laughs> <laughs> Sonic Gener- Sonic the Movie Generations. Oh geez, <laughs> that's a podcast title there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our game from this week, uh, which comes to us from Andrew Chung, who says, "Hey guys, after a year and a half." I finally made a game for you guys. I made a Google Docs for you to play that game, and uh, there are at least two questions I have an image uh, that are required to understand the questions. So you guys will want to click through as well. 
Okay. And uh, basically, this is inspired by Joe Kim's games where the questions are based on Game Explain. I decided to do the same. The game is simple. Answer by choosing a number between 1 through 10. Most of these questions are from various GX Real Talk podcasts and YouTube videos. There are 11 questions with a bonus question worth triple points you can use as, t- as a tiebreaker for fun. So, yeah, uh, we just have a question and the answer is always 1 through 10. So, number 1. Between 1 through 10... How many reviews have has Roxy, John's fiance, done for GX? I think John <laughs> might know this, so he's yeah, the last. <laughs> okay, I think I'm pretty sure I know this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's only one. I can only think of one off the top of my head, and if not, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can think what of only think, one, so that's why I'm wondering, like, was there a second I missed? But <laughs> I, I'm going with one. Yeah, I'm going with one as well. I'll look bad in this if I answer more than that, because I'm pretty sure it's one. I'm pretty sure it's just Disney Simpsons. Yeah, I think so. So, answer is, yeah, one, Disney Sum Sum. Okay. Phew. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Else you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number two. Although he didn't review them, Derek has said some games he uh, has said some games he hates this game or it sucks on YouTube. Between one through ten, how many games did Derek say using those paraphrases? Oh, God, I don't even know this. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Just keeping track of our scores. Okay. Uh, so, there must be a lot of occasions where you've said that. It's probably more than ten. No, it's only it has to be one uh, through ten. Yeah, yeah, but in in the grand scheme oh, of your yeah. YouTube career, I'm sure I'm sure you said it more than ten times. I guess so. Um, I will. I'll go eight for this, but I'm I I've got to imagine you probably said it more than that. I had six in my mind. I had three in my mind. So okay, <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Uh, the answer is two. Huh. Wow, wow. Yeah. Okay. Mighty Might number nine in a discussion and Paper Mario sticker star during the stream. Uh, P.S. Derek, even though I feel bad that Andre did that to you, I still find it funny after you screamed when you lost. I may consider using that as an alarm <laughs> on my phone. People love when Andre pulled that <laughs> on me. <laughs> uh, Turned off the chat. I almost beat it, but I didn't know how to blow out the birthday cake and get my health back, so. Darn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I'm sure there's more because I've. I guess I didn't. I did officially review Kane and Lynch, but that's still probably one of the worst games I've played. Uh-huh. Oh well, but uh, none of us got that point. Number three, last year in 2019, you guys reviewed some games and gave them a mixed score for the first time. Between one through ten, how many G, uh, reviews GX has given? Has uh, GX given a mixed rating t- uh, from last year to now? How many games got a mix? Last year to now. I don't remember us using this a whole lot. I'm going to say two because it's meh usually now. Yeah. Yeah. So was Mixed introduced last year? I or was guess that, so. Was that there the entire time? I think it was. No, it wasn't there the entire time. We introduced it later. So I'm going to say yeah, it's I, probably started last year. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. Uh, Met and mixed. There, there, there is a fine line between them. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to recall what I gave uh, certain games now. I'm gonna say. I'm pretty sure I gave a few mixeds. I'm gonna say four. I might. All right. So you guys have locked yours in already. That, so I think we've done. I think Starlink got a mixed. New Super Mario Brothers U got a mixed. Um, I think. Resident Evil Three might have got one. Oh no, that was that was just that was this year. Um, mm-hmm. Well, he said from uh, mm. let's see, from then last year till now. So it's up till now. Oh, till now. Okay, I'm gonna say that I can only count three, but I'm, I'm, I think there's more than that. I'm gonna say six. All right, 
I'm saying four. And how many did you say, uh, Tom? Two. All right. It is five. Ah, oh, so close. Yeah, you really were. <laughs> uh, we were we straddled it. I was uh, four and you were six. Dang it. Uh-huh. Uh, it was New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn, uh, Damon X right. Machina. Oh, I forgot I gave Damon X I forgot. All, well, I just forgot Damon X Machina, Pokemon <laughs> Mystery Dungeon DX, and Resident Evil 3 Remake. Huh. So two of mine, uh, two of John's, and one Andre. Interesting. Yep. All right. Number four. In the second episode of the GX podcast, Tom has gone to E3 more than Andre. Between one through ten, how many more times did Tom go to E3? So what year was the podcast start? I think like 2016. 2016. Okay. Okay. Uh, Want to say? Tom will know this. (laughs) Okay, I'll go last then. I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'll I'll go last. I'll go. I'm gonna oh, say two. Right. I'm not sure. I don't think it's that many How more many though. Times. Um. Hmm. I'll say three. I will say one. Although you know, I'm not sure about this because I think Andre he went. Uh, it might have been tied because technically he missed one year. When we were with Nintendo Dojo and Game Boy Dojo, mm-hmm. and then other side, and then he went with Game Explain the first year when I didn't go. But anyway, we'll see what he says. <laughs> it is wow nine times. Oh, but oh. That, I thought it said how many more times did Tom go? That's how I interpreted. It yeah, too, how many I, more I times did Tom go to E three? That if oh, it was that's, how, that's a huge amount. If it was how many times? That would be yeah. I'm not sure I understand fully understand that one because I yeah, don't think you've gone nine more times than Andre. No, <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty. That's close. probably just total. Then. Yeah, it must be total. Yeah. All right. Either way, uh, number five. 2016 was the worst year for Andre as he didn't review many <laughs> games. Between one through ten, how many reviews did he did he do? So 2016, that was a year of, was it Ultra Smash and Amiibo Festival? Uh, and also, I, I think also Super Mario Run, which was his game yeah, of the year. Yeah, I was saying Super Mario Run year. So did Andre review Mario Tennis Ultra Smash? I think so. So you must have done that in Mario Run. Uh, I'm going to say three total. I'm saying five. I'm going to agree with John and say three. It was Six. Darn it. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're underestimating his I know, exactly. <laughs> uh, it was Star Fox Zero, Mario Run, right. Color Splash, Twilight Princess HD, NES Classic, and Mario Maker 3DS. I, I just ah. remember from the Game of the Year discussions that year where Andre like, defaulted to Super Mario Run. As his number believe. three, yeah. <laughs> I, I think Color Splash was his Game of the Year. Yeah. Wow. So, yep, that's something. <laughs> you know, there's not bad games in there, just not a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, uh, number six. In GX Podcast episode 60, BYOS, uh, Derek told stories that he's been pulled o- told stories that he's been pulled over by the cops multiple times. Between one through 10, how many times has he gotten pulled over? Uh. I'm not sure. Oh, gosh, I, gotta, I, gotta, <laughs> I haven't heard this. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta remember how many was. Uh, hold on, I gotta count in my head. We should probably answer first. Yeah, yeah you I'll should. Say, 
multiple times. Multiple times sounds more than a couple. It sounds like a handful. It does. I'm going. I'm going six. I was thinking six as well. I think, yeah, that's uh, fine. I'll you go... said six. You could you could choose six too. But if you want to uh, be more uh, of a chance of winning, choose <laughs> one number above or below. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my scheme. I'm gonna go with. I think Derek has run into the bad the bad end of the law multiple times. I think I'll say seven. I, I'm gonna give Derek some credit. He did not get pulled over when he graciously drove us to E3. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly, I, honestly, yeah. I was thinking six as well. So I'm gonna stick with that. Okay. It was four times. Oh, okay. So I must have told, told less uh, stories because I'm pretty sure it was more than that because. There was an I was coming back from my house and uh, drifted through a stop sign because it was late at night and it was only a three-way stop uh, and nobody else was there. Then the yeah. immediate next night, I got pulled over <laughs> because I was taking a friend home and just going a little bit faster than I should have, apparently. Then there was one time I was going through uh, a town, got pulled over there, uh, <laughs> going a little faster than I should have. Then there was a time I was going to a friend's place over in Philly, got pulled over on the way. Uh, then there was... Actually, was there? It was four. I, did I miscount some? Because I think I could have sworn there's more. Shoot, I think I miscounted. It was actually only four. <laughs> uh, I miscounted my own thing. That's right. The one I was thinking of was um, was uh, me getting a parking ticket. <laughs> uh. Uh, when I was, yeah. <laughs> I might not be the. I, it's been a while. But I might not be the best driver. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been a while as you're improving, so that's yeah. all we're going to ask for. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Stay number- out of Richmond. <laughs> yeah, stay out of Richmond. <laughs> all right. Uh, dur- number seven. During a certain unboxing, during certain unboxing videos, Steve has an image below that confuses viewers to be a green screen effect, but turns out he has a table pictured with different game consoles between one through ten. How many unboxing videos that Steve has done has Steve done with this image below, where it's just all the different, like there's the Turbo Graphics and the PlayStation and the, mm-hmm. you know all that. So it's not all of his unboxings. This came out later, uh, a fair way in. So and he stopped I, using it. Did he stop thing. using it? All right. I don't know. I I didn't watch the latest SpongeBob unboxing. Then yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> uh oh, I just made the thumbnail. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would say that he's used this seven times. Oh, I'm see. At first, I was thinking four, but we just answered the number. Four. So I'm going <laughs> so it can't be. one under for six. I was also thinking four, so I'm going to go up one and go to five. <laughs> All right, five, six, seven. Then. All right. It is eight. Oh, oh wow. wow. We're terrible at this I game. Fr- yeah, we're not doing very well. Uh, it was with Enter the Gungeon, Hori Split Pad Pro, 8-Bit Do, uh, Do Light Gamepad, Nintendo Switch Lite, the new Nintendo Switch with better battery life, Hori Switch Lite Accessories, the Sega Genesis Mini, and Google Stadia. I uh, forgot a lot of those. <laughs> this this is why... I forgot Google Stadia was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> he got, he got sent a lot of accessories. All right, number eight. In the Breath of the Wild DLC Pack 1 discussion, or the notorious Andre and Ash debate, 
Andre constantly mm-hmm. whines that the DLC should act like Splatoon <laughs> free updates. Between 1 through 10, how many times did Andre keep mentioning Splatoon in the debate? That was very funny. That is, that is funny. <laughs> that, like, I can see which side uh, he was on. Um, how many times did he mention Splatoon? <laughs> um, I'm going to go 9. This is going to... I was gonna say this is gonna max out, isn't it? I'm gonna say ten. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll go I, seven. I was there and in the middle of that, and I was just quiet the entire time. <laughs> uh huh. All right. It is. Oh well, only three times. Oh. Really? Ah. Oh. Guilted uh, up. Disappointed. So, uh, he said, uh, "Has a quote here. People would buy a Splatoon DLC." Andre interrupting Ash, 2017. They would. I love Octo Expansion. Yeah, Octo Expansion's great. I for, I forget the uh, exact context of that, but whew. <laughs> all right, number nine. Out of all current members of GX, Tom reviews less than the others. Between one through ten, how many reviews did he has he done? Hmm. I don't even. So know Tom this. <laughs> Tom doesn't do that much in succession, but it's built up over the years for sure. Um, Hmm. And does this include only video reviews, or does it include... I'm guessing video reviews, because he probably doesn't have access yeah. to the uh, yeah. now-defunct website. Yeah, it did die on that uh, server crash yeah. from a company that should actually I'll, back up their data. <laughs> I'll go high and say nine, because um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've done quite a lot over the years. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to say seven. Hold on, let me see. <laughs> He's looking at the reviews. Yeah, I just like, it's like, what's that typing tab? No, nothing, nothing. Using <laughs> uh, his review folder, uh-huh. looking at all the, the files. I, I'm going to say seven. All right. Okay. I forget how many I said. Do you, do you remember? I, think you I said, said nine. I think Derek, Thomas you seven. said seven. Okay, yeah, I think I said seven as okay. well. Okay. I don't know if the Half-Life discussion counts. I don't think so. I don't think that was counted. Probably not. It was... Uh, actually, I lost track. It was... Wow, seven. Ah, what? so that's our, our first point since the first yeah, round. Yeah, go us. <laughs> Uh, Sakura Samurai, Art of the Sword on 3DS, Runbow on Wii U, Snipperclips, Snake Pass, Shovel Knight Showdown, Tangle Tower, Wonder Song, and Half-Life Alex as a review discussion. So there you go, it did count. Oh, so, so it's actually more um, in the Switch era than the rest of them. Yeah, I guess so. There's... Did they? Did he say the original Shovel Knight or Plague of Shadows? Uh, Showdown. And he didn't mention oh. either of those. It should actually be nine, I guess, because... There are those oh. two as well. Ooh. Well, we got points. I'm not going to argue with them. Yeah, I don't. I don't we'll I don't keep care. that on. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the points. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number ten. During E3 2012, back when the Wii U was getting started, Andre, Tom, and some other dude not only previewed Nintendo exclusive demos, but also third-party games that are featured on the Wii U. Between one through ten, how many Wii U games overall did they preview and post them on YouTube? Huh. Um. That's tough. I. Yes. <laughs> I have no idea. Because there, there were quite a few Wii U launch titles. I just don't know how many of them would be in E3 demos. I'm going to say six, because they were probably pushing just any game they had at that point. And it still wasn't a lot. Yeah. yeah. There's some Ubisoft. I'd imagine... 
I'd imagine they would have Batman Arkham City. They would have maybe Tekken Tag Tournament 2. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mario U, Nintendo Land. Hmm. Zombie U. Zombie U, yeah. Yeah. Um, was there Wario? No. Game and Wario. Game and Wario was later, I think. It was. It was. Yeah, it wasn't launched, but it was. It wasn't far from it. I don't think. I'll go. I'll go with with five. I think I said six. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, losing I'm gonna track. Go, <laughs> I'm gonna go seven. And the other dude was Jimmy, I believe, holding his tiny little lapel microphone. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> it's like go to interview people and like you'd hold up the mic and i think this is the year if you look back we found out when the wii u launch was because he asked a guy at ubisoft uh-huh. and he was kind of like looking at him like i don't I, like i shouldn't say this but you could couldn't like he wasn't saying that but you could see his face said that so he's like, <laughs> hold on a minute and he went back and he checked with somebody else and then he came back in, and then he said October. Wow. <laughs> but when he was going back to his face on the video, it's like, I can't believe he's actually going to check this. <laughs> and then he like gets it together when he comes back. And yeah, you got that on video. That was like a Game Explain exclusive. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, goodness. Well, the answer is 10 games. Wow. Wow. Uh, um, I guess 10 for 10 makes sense. Yeah. New Super Mario Brothers U, Nintendo Land, Scribble U, Scribble Knots Unlimited, uh, Pikmin 3, Game & Wario, We Fit U, Rayman Legends, Ninja Gaiden 3, and Wonderful 101, back when it was called uh, Project P100. Wow. Dang. So at the end of that, then, you two, Tom and Derek, have two points. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number 11. Uh, Ted Weasen, a.k.a. XAN Shadow, has helped uh, out GX in the past. Between 1 through 10, how many videos has he did, done by himself for GX? How many reviews has Ted done? Mm. So Ted did... Did he do a Phoenix Wright review? Yes. Okay, to Phoenix Wright, he... He did... I'm trying to think what else he did. I'm trying um, to think. I'm, think, I'm going to say I th- four. I think four. Yeah, four seems good. I think Derek five? said the number four when he was talking. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think five. No. Yeah, I know he did it quite a few. Yeah. So. I'll sit with Tom and say four. All right. It is five. Oh, it was who f- knew that Derek would know the amount that his friend Oh, did? oh <laughs> five videos, four, re- four reviews, one analysis. That's where it came from. So you guys were right uh-huh. on the review count. Uh-huh. Um... But I was right on the, I guess, overall count. Um, but yeah, four reviews, which was uh, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright, uh, Legend of Legacy, uh, Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon, and uh, Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey Redux, which he's wrong. There's one more. He did Phoenix Wright uh, six. So technically this should be six. Right. And then he did an analysis of Shin Megami Tensei five. Remember when that was a thing? <laughs> That's been so long. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of the games I gave Ted, he's not enjoyed. <laughs> we'll give him ones. I think the thing is, is we we only give games to other people if no one else is going to enjoy them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's probably not very likely that Ted's going to enjoy anything else we give him either. <laughs> I mean, he likes Phoenix Wright. He just ended up with the games he didn't really enjoy about him. He does not like Layton uh-huh. though. And he likes Shimagami Tensei, but uh, I think that was the one he enjoyed the most. That's good, at least. God, I yeah. forgot that uh, Shimagami Tensei 5 was a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been three years. That's ridiculous. Over three that years. That is ridiculous. So, what are our standings? 
Because I think we technically got all uh, that so wrong then. I think you have three points then, yep. and I have two, and John has one. Yeah. That's right. All right. So for the bo- well, this will determine the winner, the bonus question. Instead of one through 10, uh, it'll be one through 100, and, and we're going to be using the prices right rules. Uh, whoever gets the exact answer or closest, the winner, it will earn triple points. So uh, during the podcast on Real Talk episode 132, like Ash in the Wind, Ash had a smoke detector go off and it constantly beeped. Between 1 through 100, using the Price is Right rules, how many times did Ash's smoke detector beep throughout the podcast? Holy does crap. This, does this include how many times it went off or how many individual beeps? <clears throat> I guess how many beeps. It says how many times did it beep throughout the podcast? 1 through 100. <laughs> oh, okay. 77. It's got to be high. 77. <laughs> I'll go... 89. We're using prices right rules. I'm going one. <laughs> no, he said he did a different rule though. He said exact answer or closest. He or closest say... using prices right rules. Darn it. <laughs> you guys can change it if you want. No. You feel confident? No. Alright. I'll stay. 89. <laughs> Odds are in my favor, but the answer is Wow. Uh, John gets it 94 times. Oh, wow. Dang. Oh, God, I scrolled down and there's just this this mess of calculations. Yep. We've got to show you Ash this. This is hilarious. That is really funny. They so wrote the down every time. Quiz, they've shown they're working out. There's just, just the, all these tallies everywhere. There's little markings of, of every single time one, one beep has gone off. That, this is hilarious. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Well, congratulations, John, on that victory. <laughs> Um, I mean, you're still the overall victor. Uh, if you say so. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that about does it for episode 195 of the Game Explained Roll Talk podcast. This was a fun one. And uh, I guess we'll catch you next time for episode 196. In the meantime, you guys can uh, support us over on Patreon. I uh, get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up topics and games like the ones we have here, as well as access to our VIP room in our Discord. And for five dollars, you get access to the Game Club, uh, special features, and behind-the-scenes stuff at the ten-dollar tier. So, thank you all so much, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.